Okay. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. And we're thinking about the subject of spiritual gifts or gifts of the Holy Spirit. So last week, we looked at how should the church use spiritual gifts? How should we use spiritual gifts? And we also looked at why are spiritual gifts given to the church? Which is a good question. So why have we been given spiritual gifts? And thirdly, we looked at some of the spiritual gifts that the church has been given. So just a, a very brief recap. So how should the church use spiritual gifts? Let's look at verses 1 to 3 one more time. How should we use the gifts Jesus has given us through his spirits? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So we thought about this last week, that pagans, non-Christians, can sometimes perform healings, can perform miracles, can prophesy and speak in languages, speak in tongues. And then the question is, how? How on earth can a non-Christian sort of heal and perform miracles and Uh, foretell the future and speak in other languages, babble in a language that we don't understand. And the answer is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 to 12. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders to serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Now, we do know that there's a lot of trickery, there's a lot of con artists out there who don't actually heal someone, but it's just like a a bit of a magic show, isn't it? I saw one guy, I can't remember his name, but his speciality was in healing people who had one leg sort of shorter than the other. So he would say, the reason why you've got a bad back is because you've got one leg shorter than the other. So he'd get the woman to sort of sit down in a chair, and what he would do, like the camera was filming it, he would pull her shoe off a little bit. I said, look, see, you've got one leg longer than the other. And then he would sort of push it in. All he was doing was slipping a shoe off and then slipping it back on. See, the leg is now both the same size. So you've got some clowns like that. And then sometimes there's sort of unexplained stuff going on. 
how do they how did they manage to correctly predict the future and how did they actually manage to actually heal someone or perform a miracle well that is darkness at work isn't it that is like a lie the devil deceiving people no genuine gifts of the holy spirit are used by people who know Jesus as lord So people who have Jesus as Lord of their lives are people who genuinely use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's not the people who have sort of fame or money as Lord of their lives, but people who have Jesus as Lord of their lives. So how should spiritual gifts be used? They should be used by Jesus' Lord people, isn't it? And then secondly, why are spiritual gifts given to the church? Why on earth has Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, given us spiritual gifts? Well, what did we read then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So each member of the local church is given a spiritual gift in order to do works of service for the common good. So spiritual gifts aren't given to us for sort of personal enjoyment, isn't it? No, they're for building up the church. And we also looked at the variety of spiritual gifts. And I think this would be helpful to remind ourselves of the variety of spiritual gifts. And uh, not just from 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it'll be good to look at Romans 12 as well. So Romans 12, this is 6 to 8. So we've got a variety of spiritual gifts here. Prophecy, uh, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership and mercy. And some of those sort of spiritual gifts, we should all be doing them to some degree, isn't it? We should all be giving. We should all be merciful to each other, isn't it? We should all be serving. But some people are particularly gifted at that. They're particularly good at doing that. Or maybe God has blessed them, maybe financially, so they can give more generously than maybe the average person. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 10, we get these then. Message of wisdom, message of knowledge, and faith. And uh, some commentators say that they're probably leadership gifts, which is interesting. And then you've got healing and miraculous powers. And um, I think I said last week, from Hebrews chapter 2, the gift of healing and miraculous powers were given to the apostles, the people who were speaking and writing God's word. So the gift of healing and miraculous powers were gifts given to the apostles as like a sign of authentication. This is proof that we are speaking and writing the word of God, isn't it? Because, you know, which one of us has the gift of healing in this church? Which one, isn't it? Or which one of us has the gift of miraculous powers? We all want to be their friends, maybe, don't we? Who is the one who's got them, isn't it? So I, I can maybe put a cross through them. Is that, are we all agreed on that? Has every local church said, oh, there they are. 
the person who's got the gift of healing and the gift of miraculous powers. We can pray for healing, and we do pray for miracles, because healing does happen, and miracles do happen. But I'm not sure if we can say, we've got specially gifted people who are good at that. Um, And then, so, miracles and healing. And then we've got helping. Uh, No, sorry, where are we? Healing, miraculous power. And then prophecy, uh, distinguishing between spirit and uh, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So the gift of languages and the gift of interpreting languages. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, we got some more. Um, apostle and prophet. And uh, we looked at last week that the actual office of apostle and prophet. Do we have uh, apostles in every local church today? Do we have a prophet in every local church today? Well, what is an apostle? It's someone who's sort of met the risen Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? No, we don't have. We have elders and deacons, don't we? Elders who function as well as pastors, isn't it? No, we don't have the office of apostle and prophet in the local church today. But then uh, we've got things like helping. That's a nice one, isn't it? What's your gift? I've got the gift of, of helping. And then guidance as well then. Or administration, guidance or administration. And then in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we've got another two offices then, evangelist and pastor. So they're they're the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are specifically uh, written in the Bible. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, and 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And I think the question is, which of these gifts do you have? That's something to think about. So I've got a, I've got a little printout of those, so you can maybe take those home with you later. And maybe it's something for us to sort of think and pray about. Do you know which spiritual gift God has given you? Do you know which spiritual gift God has given you? Which one of those do you think that you might be good at? And are you using your gift for the common good, for building up the church, for serving your brothers and sisters in Christ and for reaching the lost? And also, do other people know what spiritual gift God has given you? This is something that we were chatting about Um, As elders, do the elders of the church know what spiritual gift God has given you? And are your gifts being tested? And are your gifts being sort of developed? And I think that's something very important for us to sort of think about as a church. Do we know what our spiritual gift is? Does the church know what your spiritual gift is? And is it being used to the full? Is it being sort of developed and tested So that's a bit of a recap of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11. So what about uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31? Uh, Let's begin with verses 12 and 13. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, 
so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever told you, you need to have sort of like a second experience. Now, it's been told to me, you know, like someone asked, so how did you come to know the Lord? And then I'd maybe sort of share my testimony, how I came to know the Lord. But have you been baptised by the Holy Spirit? Have you had that second experience so that you can then speak in tongues? And I'm like, no. I said, well, let me pray for you then. And then someone has been sort of putting his arm around me and shouting at me and then saying, go on then, speak in tongues. I said, try saying banana backwards or something. Go on, just, just start doing it, blah, 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 or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's all right. Where's the door? <laughs> Isn't it? Yes, some people say that every Christian needs to have like a second conversion. Okay, you were born again on that day. But what, when were you baptised with the Holy Spirit? When was your like second conversion? So then you could do sort of extraordinary things. When you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you'll be able to speak in tongues. But it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 13, that the church at Corinth were all baptised by the Spirit. And did every single member of the church at Corinth speak in tongues? That's the question. Did every single member of the church at Corinth speak in tongues? It says they were all baptised by the Spirit. It's interesting what we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. Uh, to one, yeah, to one that is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. So it seems as if, okay, when you've, if there is this sort of second conversion, this sort of baptised by the Spirit, if that happened to the local church in Corinth, as it does say, 1 Corinthians 12, this is 12 to 13, well, not all of them are automatically able to speak in tongues then. And I think verse 30 is the most helpful. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. What is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 13 all about? If we are a member of the body of Christ, basically, if you are a Christian, then you have been baptised by the Spirit, isn't it? What does it mean to be baptised? It means to be washed, doesn't it? Isn't that how you become a Christian? We sing a song, isn't it? Washed by his blood, washed by the Spirit, isn't it? It says in Titus as well, isn't it? We've been washed by the Spirit. That's how everyone becomes a Christian. We are born again by the Holy Spirit, aren't we? And we need to go on being sort of filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit as we do works of service. So what do we read then in verses 14 uh, to 20 of 1 Corinthians 12? Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, on this sort of uh, list we looked at here, wasn't there? On this list, there are some things there that you're not good at. There are some things on this list that I'm not good at. Probably many things on this list that I'm not good at. And that's all right, isn't it? That's all right. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is saying. You're not going to be good at all the spiritual gifts. But we should never say, well, because I'm not good at this, that, or the other spiritual gift, then I don't belong. And I, I've heard that said to me, not, not in this church, but I remember a, a member of the church in Swansea in, in Mount Pleasant saying, well, I'm just not the same as everyone else. Maybe I just don't belong. But I remember telling someone, look, no one can do tea and coffee like you do, Gareth. So honestly, everyone loves having tea and coffee served by you. <laughs> you are particularly gifted at serving in that way. And honestly, if you left, we would suffer as a church. We would miss you as a body. Everyone would say, oh, even the non-Christians come in. Where's the guy with the, with the stick, <laughs> with the limp, who does the best tea and coffee, isn't it? Who's got the best smile, who's always got a nice conversation, who's always so careful what he does. No, there might be some things on that list that only you can do. Could you imagine that? Binfield Free Church, maybe there's something on this list that only you can do and all the other members of the church can't do it. That'd be quite something, isn't it? Only you could do it. There might be one spiritual gift and God has only given it to you so you could build up the church, so you could serve the church. And there are some things on that list that no one can do better than you. So we are all important. We are all important. Every single member of the church is important. And I think that's why leaving a church for sort of illegitimate reasons is such a serious matter, isn't it? It's such a serious matter. Like if someone just said, right, I'm not going back there again, and they just leave There'd be a gap in the church, wouldn't there? Said, who else can do that as well as that person who has left, isn't it? If they left without sort of really seeking God, without seeking the guidance of the leadership of the church, isn't it? If they just said, well, I just, you know, I just feel that I don't belong to this church anymore and I'm going somewhere else. But then the leadership of the church, but if you leave, who's going to be able to do that Who's got that spiritual gift? Who can do things as well as you in that certain area? The church are going to suffer. The body is going to suffer, isn't it? 
Like if I chopped off a part of my body, I would feel it, wouldn't I? Even something small like a nail, isn't it? If someone just peeled off one of my nails now, my whole body would suffer, wouldn't it? It's just a tiny little part, though, isn't it? Because some people say, like that person in the church at Swansea, but all I do is the tea and coffee. I said, okay, maybe in the world's eyes, it is a small little job. But honestly, if, we remove, if you removed yourself from the body, oh, we would suffer. We would feel it. It would be painful. So it is a serious matter to think carefully, isn't it? Before we sort of move on to another church or something. We're the body of Christ. And what about uh, verses 21 to 26 as we move on? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honour to the parts that lack it. So there should be no division in the body. That its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you get the impression that the members of the church at Corinth who were gifted maybe with the spiritual gift of serving and helping might have been ignored. Do you think so? That they were maybe treated with contempt. If someone is saying, well, I haven't got the gift of tongues, prophecy, healing or miraculous powers, but I've got the gift of helps. Is that any good? Oh, well, maybe you'll do, isn't it? But I've, I've got the gift of, of giving. I can't stand up to the front and teach. I can't prophesy or speak in tongues or interpret tongues. I can't heal. I can't perform miraculous powers. But I, I can give, you know, sacrificially, maybe a bit more than others. I can serve. I can do little admin tasks or something like that. And maybe they were being ignored. But then the people who could perform the sensational gifts, like healing, miraculous powers, tongues and prophecy, everyone was saying, aren't they great, isn't it? Sort of putting them up on a platform. Aren't they great? But look at the second half of verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now, there's lots of reasons why a church can be divided, but this is one reason that certain members of the church are maybe ignored or treated with contempt. So, like I was telling about my friend uh, Gareth, I think maybe not enough people were going up to him, maybe the leadership of the church, and saying, look, we love the work you're doing. 
We couldn't do without you as a church. God has gifted you to do that. Because no one was saying thank you to him. And he wasn't doing it to be told thank you, isn't it? He sort of felt, well, I don't really belong, isn't it? He wasn't being sort of honoured, so to speak. And he thought, well, I can just leave this body because no one cares. It's interesting. God loves the people who do those jobs, the not at the front jobs, isn't it? God loves the people who do the hard graft, the gifts of helps, the gifts of serving. Uh, I love Romans chapter 16, verse 6. This is just one example, but I could literally be here all night looking at some of the individuals that God mentions. Greet Mary, who works very hard for you. (laughs) Isn't that lovely? That's one of my favourite verses in the Bible, I think. Greet Mary, who works very hard for you. So I think as a church, we need to sort of maybe take a look at the rota sometimes, isn't it? There are some people in our church, and they might say, they'd probably say, do you know, I think my spiritual gift is the gift of helps and the gift of serving. I said, look, I'll make the tea and coffee. I will go on the cleaning rota, but please don't ask me to teach a Sunday school class. Don't ask me to ever get up the front and do something. Isn't it? I'm I'm not gifted at that. I've tried it and I fell flat on my face. So the people, when they clean, we should go up to them and say, thank you for cleaning on the weekends or whatever. Thank you for coming in. You did such a great job. And the people doing tea and coffee, it's so important that we honour people who serve, isn't it? In the so-called lesser tasks, but they're not, do they? God honours those, isn't it, who work hard? We should as well. Because he mentions them by name, doesn't he? Because we all know the name of the Hebrew midwives, don't we? I love that. Maybe going off on a little tangent here. We know their names, but we don't know the name of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was sort of humanly very gifted and powerful, was he? And God's like, what was his name? I I don't give a stuff. Basically, that's what God says. I'm not going to tell you who the Pharaoh was. What do you care? But I'll tell you who the Hebrew midwives were, those people who worked really hard. Was it um, Shafra and Pua, is it? Or however you pronounce it, isn't it? We know them, don't we? They're written there, aren't they, in Exodus 1. So when helpers and servers are made to feel useless, when helpers and servers are made to feel useless, that's when the church falls apart, isn't it? So we need to be sort of conscious, isn't it? Honouring each other, thanking each other when these jobs are done. Because uh, if you wanted to bring down London, what do you have to do? Who are the most powerful people in London? You might think, oh, the politicians and the bankers, isn't it? You get rid of the politicians and the bankers in London and then London will fall to its knees. Oh, it's not, isn't it? If you want to bring London to a standstill, what do you have to do? Tube drivers. Yeah, the the tube drivers and the bin men, isn't it? People who, they'd say, oh, they're at the bottom of the pile. Oh, if they sort of go on strike, London comes to its knees. Is that fair to say, Austin? Yeah, yeah. The people who might be considered as, oh, they're not very presentable. No, but they are, aren't they? They are. They're important. And I think verse 26 needs uh, an important mention. 
If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Do you think it's fair to say we need to be better at verse 26? Nod if you agree. Yeah, we need to be better at that, isn't it? You know, some, I, I was hearing someone finding out, I didn't realise that had happened to so-and-so. I said, aren't we meant to be a body? Aren't we meant to be a church family? And I didn't realise so-and-so was suffering. Or, if something really good had happened to someone, I said, have you heard what has happened to so-and-so? No, I didn't hear. I said, why not share it, isn't it? So we can rejoice together when something good happens to someone, and we can weep together when something painful happens to someone. I, I don't know, this isn't really a rebuke, but we need to sort of think and pray about how can we do more of that. I'll just give maybe one little practical thing. The, the prayer WhatsApp um, thing. It's never used, really, is it? Hardly ever used. I suppose if I checked when the last prayer was put on WhatsApp, it was probably Wednesday. What do we know? Sunday. Did no one need any prayer yesterday or today? Or Thursday or Friday. Isn't it? You must have found something hard, isn't it? First place I'm going to go, I'm going to share it with my family, isn't it? So could you imagine if I never told my... If I never told Hannah when I was ill. <laughs> if I never told her when something good happened, isn't it? It'd be weird. I said, Dad, you've got issues going on here if you're not sharing painful things with your family. If you're not sharing happy things with your family. We are a family together. We need to be sharing the hard and painful things and we need to be sharing the joyful things as well. So I think we need to be better. Probably every church needs to be better at verse 26. (coughs) Suffering together and rejoicing together. But we need to share our lives with each other, don't we? We need to get to that place. So as we come to the end then, verse 27 to 31, I'm a little bit nervous about preaching on this because John Tyndale did such an amazing job, didn't he, this morning. But let's read verse 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, Uh, You can disagree with me if you want, but I think that is New Testament and Old Testament. He's given us the Bible, the foundation, as Ephesians 2 says. Third, teachers. Uh, Then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now we're all thinking, verse 31, aren't we? I think that's the hard verse there, isn't it? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now I've heard some people say that the greater gifts are faith, hope and love. Yeah, the greater gifts are chapter 13, faith, hope and love. But they're not really gifts, are they? They are the most excellent way. So what is the greater gifts? Well, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 tells us 
what the greater gifts are. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, which we will hear more of in two weeks' time. So I'm going to leave us on a cliffhanger. Oh, I'm supposed to eagerly desire, especially the gift of prophecy. Are you not going to tell me what it is? Oh, it's all right. Come back in two weeks' time and we'll find out, won't we? But let's remind ourselves of the message this morning. What is the more excellent way? It's love, isn't it? Maybe you are gifted at serving tea and coffee. Maybe you are gifted. Some people are gifted at cleaning the church. I was speaking to someone. You can tell when so-and-so will clean the church. Because it's just so clean here, isn't it? Everything is so neat and orderly, isn't it? You can tell it just looks more peaceful. Some people are particularly gifted at cleaning. But you can do that without love, isn't it? You could do that in a bad mood. You could do that in an angry way. You can serve tea and coffee in an angry way, can't you? But to do whatever gift God has gifted us, I'm to preach with love, I'm to teach the Bible with love, I'm to pastor with love. We're to lead with love. Whatever gift God has given you, let us do it in love.